0: You're listening to the Doheny Podcast Network. The Doheny Eye Institute, working for all to see. Your host is Jody Becker.
1: My guest is Dr. Tara McCannell, an ocular cancer surgeon and director of the Ophthalmic Oncology Center at UCLA. She is at the forefront of diagnosis and treatment for cancers of the eye. Dr. McCannell has been awarded several research grants and is involved with numerous medical journals as an article reviewer and board member. Thank you so much for being here, Dr. McCannell. Thank you very much for having me. So let's begin by talking about diagnosis. How do your patients find you, and what are some of the best tools that you have today to find out precisely how you can help them?
0: There's two most common ways that people come to find themselves in our clinic and are diagnosed with some sort of a mass or growth in their eye. The first way is that the mass or the growth is starting to affect a person's central vision, and they start to lose their sight, or the vision gets blurry. So the person will go see their eye care provider, and it is realized shortly that the patient has a suspicious mass or a lesion that is involving the central vision. And we see a lot of people like that. The other common reason that we're seeing more and more of is that people are getting these routine photographs of the retina photographs are picking up unusual findings like a pigmented mass or some unusual lesion that gets the patient gets referred along and it's discovered that they actually have an intraocular cancer. And I think that latter way, we're seeing more and more of because many ophthalmic practices, many optic practices are now doing these photos. And the good thing about these photographs is that in most cases, the
1: lesions are
0: picked up much earlier than if the patient had not had such a screening photograph. So how does
1: that impact your practice with that earlier detection?
0: It, it results in being able to diagnose melanomas, which is the type of intraocular cancer that we see and treat first and foremost. We're able to diagnose these tumors much smaller than they traditionally are referred. So what that means for the patient is that with diagnosis very early, we actually don't need as much therapy and the therapy that we use to destroy these tumors is radiation. So we can actually use a very small amount of radiation to destroy the tumor and therefore allow the patient to have much less ocular side effect because the treatment is a lot, a lot gentler on the eye than when we have to treat a bigger tumor. So we're seeing our patients and after their treatment, people are seeing better, vision is better. But more importantly, and this is harder to appreciate for the patient though, is that when we catch these cancers early, we actually can alter a person's mortality because the biggest problem with ocular melanoma is that the cancers have the risk of spreading to the liver. And this is what's called metastatic disease when the cancer goes elsewhere in the body. And when we catch the melanomas when they're very small, the risk of metastasis or spread of the cancer is significantly less. So we are able to help people see better at the end of the day, but also people are, we are able to help reduce mortality related to these cancers.
1: So I'd like to circle back to the metastasis a bit later in the interview, but can you talk a little bit about the diagnostic tools after the imaging? What are the next steps?
0: In diagnosing ocular melanoma, in my opinion, the most important tool is the clinical examination, and that is looking directly at the tumor or the lesion with our ophthalmic instruments in real time. Our imaging tests are wonderful in that they provide additional information about the composition of the tumor, the different reflectivity patterns that we see in tumors, For example, with ultrasound, some of the imaging techniques, um, ocular coherent tomography is a way that we can actually look at very fine cross sections through tumors. And all these provide additional supporting information, but I, I really believe that the most important tool is the clinical exam. So, you know, if somebody has something unusual and it's detected on a photograph, a lot of times seeing the person and seeing and examining the eye in real life gives much more information, and our, our test reviews are very important. I think that the test that's probably the most important, if, if I could only use one diagnostic test in addition to my clinical exam, that would be our ophthalmic ultrasound, where we look at the actual sound waves through the lesion in question, and it also allows us to take a measurement of the lesion. So we know a baseline, we know how much area the lesion takes up, we know how thick it is, and also these tests are are extremely important after treatment so that we can determine and we have evidence that our treatments have actually worked and that we have good treatment response.
1: With all of that data, is the next step for most of these patients a biopsy?
0: Unlike a lot of oncology in the rest of the body, The diagnosis of an ocular melanoma is actually made on clinical grounds, and that means we look at the patient and we get the diagnosis. There are, of course, some cases that are sort of borderline where it kind of looks a little bit like a tumor, but maybe it's something benign. And in those significantly smaller number of cases, doing a biopsy often is helpful. But we actually don't use routine biopsy to make a diagnosis in ocular oncology. We now use biopsy to obtain tissue that we can run tests on to make a molecular prognostication. So there are certain markers within a melanoma itself that can tell us if the person has a very low risk of the cancer spreading or actually has a high risk. So we use biopsy for molecular prognostication so we can tell the patient how aggressive their melanoma is. We don't usually do a biopsy to come up with a diagnosis.
1: You mentioned spread of cancer to the liver and I'm curious if you can explain a little bit those interconnections and whether the cancer can sometimes come from the liver to the eye or it's from the eye to the liver and what what is that connection?
0: In ocular melanoma, unlike many types of cancer that go on to metastasize or spread in the body, the liver is is involved and is the site of spread in over 95% of patients who actually go on to have their cancer spread. And we don't understand, actually, why it is that the liver is attracting the seeds that come from the eye tumor. And it's important to understand that in ocular melanoma, the cells that begin to form a cancer originate in the eye. So we're not talking about cancers that go to the eye. An ocular melanoma originates from abnormal cells that start to divide in the pigmented cells of the eye. There are types of cancers, for example, breast cancer, prostate cancer, colon cancer, that when that cancer metastasizes, tumors can form in the eye from that but that's a different situation than a person who has an ocular melanoma. And we're not sure why the liver is such a favorable organ. There's a lot of theories that perhaps the liver being a very vascular organ with all sorts of sinusoids and spaces for tumor cells to hide out, that we think that by the time we diagnose the melanoma in the eye, there may already be microscopic melanoma cells hiding out in the liver that are too small to detect by doing an MRI or a PET scan, that that they're just much too small to be detected by those relatively gross methods of screening. And we think that there's something that happens in the body that triggers those cells that are hiding out to start to multiply and actually manifest as metastatic cancer. There's, there's a lot of research going on that right now. People are looking at inflammatory pathways, the immune system. Um, it's There's many unanswered questions about why the liver and then what makes this turn on in people who are at high risk.
1: That was what I was going to ask you about. Are there other organs or systems of the body that are equally susceptible or seem equally vulnerable?
0: The second most common site are the lungs. And a small percentage of patients with eye melanoma will actually get their, if their cancer does spread, it will go to the lungs. And, again, perhaps it's because the lungs are very vascular and there are spaces and places that tumor cells can hide or be dormant before they manifest. But, again, we don't understand. And ocular melanoma is very rare, and ocular melanoma that spreads to the lungs is extremely rare so we don't know very much certainly once the cancer spreads beyond the liver and starts going elsewhere it it does affect other tissues but that's only in late the late onset metastatic disease but the liver seems in almost all cases the first organ to have to be the site of metastasis
1: and i'm wondering doctor in your initial conversations with patients is it usually some vision loss that they're presenting many cases where the vision is starting to be
0: affected and that's what brought them in we may or may not actually get vision back and in some cases in most cases if the vision starts off relatively poor we do our best to try to maintain that that vision and so the conversation is about what we can do about their vision but mainly the focus is what can we do to destroy the tumor and the most important thing that comes up in discussion is the importance of making sure that the melanoma itself is, is properly treated. And then the second most important thing is how much vision can we get back or what can we do to try to prevent further damage to the vision by our treatments and what needs to be done.
1: So if we could turn the conversation then to the therapies that you can offer and the various goals and outcomes in your practice.
0: We know that the most efficient and best way to destroy a melanoma in the eye is using radiation. And there are actually several ways that radiation can be administered to the eye tumor undergoing treatment. The common way and the way that we deliver treatment at UCLA is using brachytherapy, which involves using seeds of radiation, placing them in sort of a carrier, which we call a plaque, and that gets, so the plaque is like a disc, and that gets sewn on the outside of the eye directly behind where the melanoma originates. And so that way we can deliver the radiation right at where the tumor is. Um, and, you know, in our experience, we have a very high success rate to, of treating
1: the primary tumor
0: so it gets the job done.
1: Doctor, is there a way to shield the healthy parts of the eye when this radiation is taking place?
0: The traditional treatment approach is just put the radiation on the tumor and hope for the best and then pick up the pieces afterwards with attempts at drugs and medications to try to help heal the radiation damage. But one of the things that we, we do at UCLA, and we've been doing this now for little almost 10 years, is a way that we can replace the vitreous humor, which is the fluid substance that fills the back of the eye, we replace that substance with silicone oil, and the silicone oil is a denser substance that we actually use routinely to repair retinal detachment. When we replace the vitreous humor fluid with the silicone oil, we have found that the silicone oil reduces the penetration of the radiation to the other parts of the eye, and we've shown that this improves vision, it improves the side effect of the radiation, um, and our patients tend to see much better than they have in the past when we use standard brachytherapy alone without any shielding element.
1: How did you discover that?
0: When I started, all of the patients that I would see that I inherited in my, the practice that I joined, everybody had terrible vision after brachytherapy treatment, and it was just sort of, this is just how it is. And so we began to put our heads together to try to figure out what we could do. And one of our our fellows who worked with us at that time did a series of experiments with our radiation oncology department where we looked at in vitro studies. We did um, modeling and calculations using physics principles and did some cadaver eyes where we showed that silicon oil, which is something readily available in the operating room, can have a significant reduction in the amount of radiation that goes to healthy tissues. So we have moved forward, and now this is a routine treatment option in patients who have medium-sized tumors, and it's something that has been very beneficial to our patients and their ultimate vision.
1: So I was curious about that. What kind of vision loss risk there is with the actual tumor and then also with the treatment? Can you talk about that?
0: How much... The tumor itself will damage the vision depends most importantly on what the location of the tumor is. So, if the tumor started off in the periphery, so that's affecting the patient's side vision, the patient is not likely going to notice, or certainly the effect of that location, the effect that location of the tumor is not going to impact a person's overall vision. However, if the tumor started at the macula, which is the part of the retina that's responsible for central sight, then there's a higher chance that the person will have reduced visual acuity because the tumor and the tumor tissues involved the central and critical structures of the eye. Now, that being said, if a person has their central vision affected, many times the peripheral vision is maintained. So when the patient uses both eyes together, they can still have very good overall vision.
1: I'm wondering if the early detection has allowed you in your practice to treat earlier and so loss of an eye or loss of vision has declined as far as one of the outcomes.
0: To me, it's been really important to have a a treatment philosophy where the sooner we can detect that that lesion is actual melanoma that we start treatment. As I mentioned before, you reduce the amount of treatment necessary so the eye receives less radiation and, and we can actually alter mortality if we destroy the tumor when it's at, when it's, at its smallest. However, in the field of ophthalmic oncology, there are still a lot of traditions that are held, such as the actual definition of a melanoma. I know that at some centers, a melanoma will not be diagnosed until the lesion itself is beyond a certain arbitrary size number. And, you know, I really feel that, you know, in in ophthalmology and in relation to eye tumors like anything else, whether something is malignant doesn't depend on an actual number or measurable size, but on the lesion's clinical features. So we definitely have been able to treat smaller and smaller tumors, mainly because of early detection and because there seems to be some greater awareness about the health of one's eyes, and I think largely this is influenced by these these photographs that are taken on routine eye exams because people just want to confirm that the, the backs of their eyes are in good health. And in the past, we would see many more people with larger melanomas. I have to say that in the last few years, a greater percentage of the tumors that we treat are actually very small, Um, and that wasn't the case five to ten years ago when most of the melanomas were much bigger. So I think that definitely represents an improvement in the quality of care and in detection of disease in general. So it's very exciting to see this because we, you know, I can count on Count on my hand how many times we've had to recommend removing the eye because the tumor was too big to treat. So we're seeing much, we're seeing a shift towards early detection, and patients themselves completely understand the importance of getting a cancer when it's as small as possible. And I think patients themselves are really not comfortable with just observing something that is a small melanoma, and we definitely see this in our practice. And I think sort of variations of this are being seen across all aspects of medicine where patients are much more educated. They understand what's happening at all different levels of their health. And they're very proactive in seeking treatment and getting early treatment.
1: It's such a meaningful insight to hear you talking about how the definition has evolved and accelerated treatment. Dr. McCannell, thank you very much for your time. I hope you'll come back.
0: Oh, you're very welcome. It's an honor to speak. The Doheny Eye Institute, at the forefront in eradicating eye disease for nearly 70 years, is dedicated to providing state-of-the-art clinical services and supporting leading researchers in the quest for treatments that stabilize and improve the precious sense of sight. Doheny is now affiliated with UCLA Stein Eye Institute. For more information about our doctors and their innovative work in the quest for better vision, visit our website. Gohini.org.